powered by Riverside. Wowza, did we have an end to this season. It is right, it is Conway T. I'm back with Rudds and Wade and is What The Football Podcast for the last time this season, ladies and gentlemen. We know you're going to miss us. We know you're going to miss the insightful musings that we have every week. But let me tell you, it was an absolute cracking end to the season. Did anyone see that coming? Drama filled right up until the end. Another bloody Aguero moment just about. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. It was pretty surreal. We had drama at the bottom of the table. We had drama in the Europa League spots. We had yeah, pretty much no drama in the top four, to be fair. And we had plenty of drama in the top two. Gents, that was one hell of a weekend. I might start with Wade since his team had something to play for this weekend. But, of course, it didn't quite work out, Wade. But, I mean, overall, what did you make of this epic end to a season? Yeah, it was one of those that'll go down in the history books for sure. Um, I think we looked at all the storylines before the weekend, and there were stories everywhere. And I think um, you must have been in uh, euphoria when Coutinho scored that goal and probably thinking you couldn't have scripted this any better at 2 all down. What was it, 70 minutes gone at the time? He scored in the 69th minute or something. So it was crazy, man. I couldn't believe it watching the scores. I was obviously watching the Arsenal game. I watched a bit of the Spurs game until the second goal went in and then the dream was over. I was like, nah, I give up now. They're not coming back from this. It was probably over before it started, to be fair, in that one. But yeah, epic day, man. Just crazy results everywhere. Leeds obviously getting a massive win at Brentford as well to survive. Um, and yeah, you know, that's, uh, five, five minutes of craziness from Manchester City really to, to win the league. I mean, yeah, that's epic, 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 epic stuff. So it was a, it was a really good, really good weekend of football. It, it's funny you say that. I'm going to go across to, to Raj. He's got a bit of a smirk on his face there, but I, I remember going through the emotions, watching the game. And now I just wish City were five nil up at halftime, to be fair. So that that game could have been well and dusted instead of playing with our emotions. But you're right. As we, as I sat there and they took the lead, Villa, uh, I still didn't believe it. I kind of said, well, ah, it's 1-0. City will probably be 4-1 up by half time. But I realized City were actually not themselves that game. Um, they actually looked off and they looked very rattled. In fact, so did we for large parts against Wolves. And we went 1-0 down. Um but I guess one thing with these two teams is they just you need to play until the last kick of the game and or they will turn you over. And when 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 Coutinho scored that second goal, I'll tell you right now, the feeling that went through me was it was it was weird. I, my body went into a state of kind of like this this cannot be happening. Like seriously, it's two 0 up. I still didn't genuinely believe that it was gonna happen just because of who they were playing. But there was a moment within me that went, no, no, no. There's something happening here that doesn't make any sense. I, I, I probably had a fleeting moment to allow myself to believe that there was a greater power at work here. But really, Manchester City, my God. I mean, those five or six minutes, when that first goal went in, I I had a feeling of, 
Oh, shit. It was like, I think once they scored that first goal and, and given the minute they scored it in two, I didn't hold much hope. But I didn't. I also didn't believe that they would score three goals. I thought maybe they get back to a draw. Um, but they are a beast of a team. And yeah, kudos to them. I, ca- I can't complain in the end. It did hurt. It probably hurt more than I think 2019. Because it's the... Exactly. Rads, and you can take it from here, but it is the hope that kills you. And Aston Villa gave us hope, which I wish they didn't give us anything, to be fair. Hey, but remarkable. I mean, Pep, you know, his changes work for him. You know, normally he's the oldest overthinking things and his changes haven't been working for him. Now, this is the one time where in the league he needed it to pay off and there Gundogan getting goals, Sterling putting in the ball in, like, you know, he's... You know, masterstroke this 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 time around. So, um, look, fair play to them. You know, um, unlucky for you not to get the manager of the season for the Premier League. Um, but we've had that debate, um, and and Jurgen Klopp's got that award. But uh, look, all in all, the two best teams in the league were finishing one one and two, and I think the best team in the league finished one. So um, that's that's the way I think it played out for me. Can I just ask you um, a quick question, Rads? What did you make of um, the BBC breaking the news this week that United are, in fact, rubbish? <laughs> I can't believe they actually put that on there. <laughs> well, I can. <laughs> I just wanted and it was like breaking news. I just wanted to, like, get your thoughts on that. <laughs> I saw that and I thought it was probably fair, but like, you know, it's the lowest points total that United have ever got. Um, but a lot of the big, bigger four teams have got lower than United in that. I mean, uh, there's no, it's just always a much bigger story when it is United. I mean, Liverpool scored the same amount of points when they won the Champions League. Um, so, you know, there is no comparison, but it just shows that the, the, the story is always united, no matter what. And, uh, you know, they, they continue to be in the headline, headlines. But um, in terms of a fan's perspective, we were rubbish. I think, uh, you know, I don't even know what his apology going on for that because I'm like, yeah, that's fair enough. You know, we've been watching this damn man so time. Why apologize? That's a uh, <laughs> classic from the BBC. But I, I did want to call out one thing that you brought up there, Rads. You know, it was it was an absolute masterstroke by uh, by uh, Pep Guardiola because if you actually look at the stats, Gundogan has not played since the Real Madrid game. He hasn't played a single minute. And Pep, I don't know, identified something. Do you remember that period last year? I think it was where. Gundogan was getting all these goals all of a sudden. He had a little golden patch there where Pep was going to him to be the fill-in player, but he was scoring. And he must have seen something in this game that said, this is you know prime for you to be in these positions because he was literally in the positions at the back post for both those goals. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. Make your forward runs because what happened is normally with KDB in the team, he sits further back. Um, so when KDB was out last year, he was making those forward runs, getting into the box more often and scoring goals. So I think Pep just said to him, get into the box, you know, as much as you can get into the box. And he's done it. Um, and he's he's scored, scored two goals. So, you know, good. Yeah. I mean, I think that was good management. You know, I think worthy of a, 
sort of Premier League manager of the season at the moment. Do you think it was poor management from from Gerard's side, given this, the, the position Aston Villa were in the game, um, how they threw away that game? Or was it just a case of Manchester City being on, I guess, another planet in those final 15 minutes? I think there's elements of poor management for um, Gerard because, correct me if I'm wrong, he had taken off Coutinho before they just conceded. Just before that, yeah. Yeah, and and I think they took away all their attacking threat pretty much. Took their threat away, so I, I think he must have thought the game is is won. Yeah, and they're gonna um, they're gonna push on. I think it was just one of those where knowing that they're gonna because Estevan still could have had a couple more chances. I think it just had a little bit more quality in the final. Game. Yeah, I think so. Maybe continue specifically might regret that move, um, but you know I suppose easy for us to. To manage a game in hindsight, you know, I think yeah. in the moment you say, "All right, two 0 up, let's get some some solidity in the game, bring on an additional defensive-minded midfielder, whatever the case may be." So, I think it's it's always a case when you are hindsight manager. It's easy for us to sit here, you know, on our asses and say, "It hey, should have done this, or should have done that." No, it's very true. And at the end of the day, when you're playing against Manchester City, and you you know, even though Aston Villa had chances off the ball, the amount of work you have to do to actually get that ball back is excessive. So when you mm. come into those final 15 minutes against a Liverpool and a United uh, uh, City, sorry, you have worked that hard in the first 75 to 80 minutes that this team's still coming at you and you don't have much energy left to actually contend with those, uh, those uh, attacks. So no surprise at the end of the day. Look, I want to call it out and say Manchester City are deserved champions. There's no two ways about it. You know, plus the simple notion of they got one more point than Liverpool. And at the end of the day, boys, we called it in January. We said the title was over then. So uh, kudos to Liverpool for actually making a title of it because they were dead and buried. Um, and at the end of the day, um, we got an exciting end to a season that didn't look like it was going to be the case a few months ago. So congratulations to Manchester City. Um, lucky for Liverpool, we have the European Cup final to contend this week. So that does soften the blow massively. And if we come out with three major trophies out of four at the end of the season, yeah. I'm going to call that a pretty amazing season at the end of the day. So you can't it's have very, too much to complain with. It's very impressive. I mean, with uh, you know taking a little old Manchester City with the size of their budget and the size of their squad and winning the league. Yeah, prop C. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Pep Guardiola. No, and you know it does open up a. I saw a stat the other day where it said that uh, you know Pep's won three titles at uh, um, Barcelona. Barcelona. He won three Bayern. titles at Bayern. He's won four at Manchester City. He's obviously got the two Champions Leagues at um, at Barca, Barca, and he's got a plethora of. Uh, local cups that he's won. So I actually worked out he's won more cups already than Sir Alex Ferguson has in in his time, and he's done it in a third of the time practically. I think Ferguson was in management for f- nearly forty years or close to, um, and you know Pep's been there for just under twenty. I mean, I know we have this argument about he, you know, he, he spends a lot of money and yada yada yada, but. Surely we've got to give plaudits to the exceptional work this guy's done in the amount of time that he's done it in, Wade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of managers have managed these clubs um, where they've had a lot of money and, you know, the best team in the league and stuff like that. You can't take the success away from him because it's not just the fact that he wins. 
it's the manner in which he wins. Like oh, his teams yeah. play other teams off the park, completely dominate them, chasing shadows. As you said, like teams have to work so hard just to get the ball back from City and it's just relentless. So I don't think you can really knock the fact that, um, you know, that he has coached at these big clubs because the success speaks for itself. But he'll obviously be feeling that, um, that another Champions League is eluding him. And I think as long as that is the case, he'll he'll still have that hunger to go out and do more. Um, you know, I was talking with some other friends the other day and I said that I can see City and Liverpool dominating for at least another two, three years, you know, mm. the way mm. it's looking at the moment. And I think as long as Klopp is in the league as well, that um, that friendly rivalry might continue. <laughs> at least you said the word rivalry, which means <laughs> you like one. that. I know you might like that. I got a little smile out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to go through, uh, Rads, and say, in your view, as you reflect on the season, um, can you go for me, I guess, in terms of the top six and tell me who you think has met expectation? And I don't just want to look at the league, but I want to look at obviously everything. So where teams got in various positions, maybe give an assessment of where you think the top six, obviously the perennial top six, and they did finish in the top six. What do you make of their seasons? Give a mark out of 10 maybe and a little bit of conversation around it. I'll start from the bottom. So the team in six is United. You know, a team out of 10 their worst season in the Premier League ever, their worst most amount of goals conceded in the Premier League for them ever, you know, goal difference of zero. Um, you know, they finished second last year. They brought, brought in Ronaldo and Varane and Sancho. So for them to finish sixth with their budget, you know, you've got to give them a zero, right? So I think that's, I don't think it's... So any a problem. flat zero. Yeah, right. Yeah, give them a just zero. That's like, very honest like of their, you. Just like their goal difference. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the goal difference. I think they, at the end of the day, they're fortunate that uh, you know West Ham couldn't do the business against uh, Brighton because they, they scraped into the Europa League, you know. So you know even that um, was wasn't comfortable for them. I think then in fifth you'd say Arsenal, and I'd say they probably are on par, if not just ahead of expectations. I think um, everyone thought they'd be a top six team. You probably thought maybe Spurs are still ahead of them in, in that, and then you have United. So I think um, finishing fifth is, is progress. Um, it just doesn't look like progress when you are sitting comfortable in, in the top four spot, you know, with a few weeks ago. So I think it's just sort of a bitter one to take, and especially when you're taking it to your North London rival, um, that it's hard. Spurs, above expectations, I think. Um, so what was your mark for Arsenal there? Out of 10? Uh, look, I think for Arsenal, a solid 7 out of 10, I think, for the season. I think uh, good mark, not exceptional. would have been, you know, exceptional if you you're into the top four. You know, you probably lost a point with, um, with with dropping out of that top four, but seven is a is a respectable score. I think um, Tottenham are above the expectations for them. A slightly higher mark than Arsenal. I think... Um, yeah, I would probably say expectations were probably similar to Arsenal, but getting into the into the top four is a massive one for them. So I'd give them up probably eight and a half out of ten. Um, I think the the fact that they were so poor so early on, I think you probably lose some of that. And the inconsistency over the last four weeks, or not four weeks, over the last few weeks, um, you know, um, also throws throws them out a bit. But at the end of the day, they're in the championship spot. So I think eight and, and they a half, also. They also did get a semi-final uh, League Cup spot, which is you know commendable considering 
I guess, the position they were in at the start of the season? Yeah, I think eight and a half is fair. If I was going to give the manager a score, I'd give Conte a higher score, probably 10 out of 10, um, because that's probably the maximum he could get um, from the squad he had and from the position he had. So um, you then go to Chelsea, I think well below expectations. The Champions League winners, um, they were complaining about Werner and needing a goal scorer, and Lukaku was the answer, top scorer in, the, in Serie A. Um, uh, was he second to Ronaldo, whichever the case may be, he was meant to be the big piece of the puzzle. So, well below expectations. I think I'd give them probably a four out of ten because they're still in the Champions League. They still did a really good job in the, in the Champions League itself. Um, they were unlucky to to bow to Real Madrid with the, you know, some brilliance by Benzema uh, at the end of that game. So, I think um, uh, that's where I'd have them. Liverpool. Um, yeah, in terms of the season as a whole, I think you give them full marks. You know, if as a fan you in every game to the very last day, that's all you want, right? Um, it's a better, you know, the rivals will say to you, uh, you want the same amount of Premier League t- titles this season as United or as Brentford, or whatever the case may be. But in the day, the fan experience is important. Um, you know, so our banter aside and all the tribalism aside, the fan experience as a Liverpool fan, what your team has managed is make sure in every single competition you've been there, you've fought for it, the team's done you proud, the manager's done you proud, and you could have won it all. Um, mm. You know, so I'd probably say nine and a half out of ten. I think um, ten out of ten would have to be actually, you know, getting it all. And then for for Man City, not as high as nine and a half. I think expectations were for them to to do better um, in Europe, to do better. Well, to win the league was sort of their base anyway. So I'd probably give them a nine out of ten in terms of what their season looks like. So those are those are my marks. So, so in order, that, you've got you, Liverpool. You agree Based with the club manager? That yeah. club was the manager of the year. Uh, that's what I heard from that. Yeah, well, I, I, I really said to you, I'd give club manager of the year if you're including Europe and in other competitions. So in my assessment in the team, I was including Europe. So if you were just talking Premier League, I'd change that. But now we were talking about, you know, all competitions. Oh. And that's why I'd say club, yeah, definitely would deserve a manager of the season award if, I'm, oh. if, if that was a consideration. So in the overall rankings there from Rudd, just to play it back for you, Wade, before you go, you got Liverpool in first place with nine and a half, Manchester City with nine, uh, Spurs coming in third with eight and a half points, uh, followed by Arsenal with seven, I believe, seven points. Um, and then we've got Chelsea, you've given four, and United, you've given zero. Um, Wade, I guess, hearing those explanations from Rudd's, Maybe a lot of agreement there. What kind of scores are you giving? Again, working away up from United and, and moving up. Look, um, I'd have to agree with pretty much most of Rudd's points there. Um, I think I would probably give City and... Uh, okay, Liverpool had an overall better season if, you, you know, if we're talking about the Cups and we're talking about Europe and stuff like that as well. Yeah, so I'd probably have to agree with him there as well then when I'm thinking about it now. You know, what, <laughs> yeah. but what I do want to say, actually, no, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them both nine and a half. You know why? Because I think what City did on the last day was absolutely epic. To win it in that fashion where you 2-0 down, 
you're 20 minutes away of blowing it. And to, to score three goals in five minutes and come back like that, I think epitomizes a, a Pep team, you know. So I'm going to say I'll probably give them both the nine and a half just, be, just because of that last day and what they managed to do with the pressure on and the changes we speak about as well that Pep made um, bringing Gundogan on. Um, Chelsea, I also think they underachieved. Um, what did what did you give Chelsea? A six? Four. I, four. I think four, four. Yeah. I'd say, listen, I, I thought that Chelsea would be about the third best team in the league. And I also thought that there'd be a gap between the first and, you know, the top two and the third team. So I think Chelsea finished where they probably deserved to finish. Yes, they, they didn't play well. They probably should have got a few more points on the board. Um, but if we're talking overall, they were in a, a couple of FA Cup final um, as well, which they and played the really Cup. well in. And the League Cup, you know, which they probably should have won that League Cup um, final. They created so many chances. So I'd say I'd give them about a six um, for the season. Spurs, look, if we're judging Conte from when he came in and where he picked the team up from, I think they were still very inconsistent. For probably his first 10 or 11 games, they were pretty much win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. He put together a decent run at the end. And to be fair, we bottled top four. We really bottled it. It was in our hands and we just couldn't finish. We couldn't get over the line. So I don't know if I'd give them that high. That's not, that's not tribalism. That's just like I expected Conte to come in and be top four. We spoke about it early. Even when we were in, even when we were in the driving seat, I always said the Conte factor you know, the Conte factor. So I'd give them about a seven. I'd say a seven is a good season, a good comeback from them. I agree with Rudd's on his Arsenal assessment. I think we probably just overachieved a little bit, disappointing at the end because we were so close. I'd probably say that's a seven as well. United, I mean, I'm not going to go so harsh and give them a zero. I mean, I'm very tempted to, but um, I'm very tempted to actually. But... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'm going to give them a zero as well. Because... <laughs> no, you know why? Because you talked Rudd... yourself out and back in. And then Rudd. back in. No, Rudd summed it up perfectly, though. Like, they finished second last year. They invested big in the summer. You know, there were pundits saying United could push and win a title this year, you know? So we, we spoke about how many pundits um, actually put United ahead of Liverpool this season because mm. of Liverpool's... Um, season last year. So, yeah, I'd probably say it's, it's scraped into Europa, you know, with uh, with West Ham losing on the final day. So, yeah, I'd probably say a zero as well since Rudd yeah. set the benchmark there. Like, you know, we're talking about pundits. Even across us, all of us would have said, yeah, top four, comfortable. Yeah, United I thought definitely. United, yeah. You know, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, even with the, you know, I, I don't, none of us had United winning the league when we did our pre-season, pre-season mm. predictions, but um, yeah, the fact that they weren't even in any conversation. In conversation. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you give Arsenal, uh, Wade? Seven. I gave, I gave them seven. a seven and I gave Spurs a seven. Yeah. So to play it back, you you've put Man City and Liverpool on par for overall season on nine and a yeah. half. You've put uh, Arsenal and Spurs on seven. Mm-hmm. Not like uh, we haven't seen an Arsenal fan give Spurs any more than Arsenal ever in their lives. Uh, you've given Chelsea a six, and you've agreed with Rudd's. So you've increased Chelsea by two points, and you've given Ars- uh, Man United the same amount of points, which is zero. Um, yeah, I might look. There's a lot I agree with there. I think I'll start from the base. You know, you said it all, Rudds. I think one of the, the one of the 
most painful things United had to go through, and there were there was a lot. I mean, but you did lose nine nil to your biggest uh, rival out there. So to have that fact on there, I mean, you don't deserve anything. So I agree wholeheartedly. That is a massive blight and a historical moment that took place in that last in the last year, and something that'll, you know, the old DVDs if they ever made those again, they'd make. They'd make a DVD just on those two games, such as the rivalry between Liverpool and United. Um, so, yeah, definitely a zero. Epic failure. Will be interesting to see next season where Eric Ten Hag takes them. I am intrigued. Uh, I mean, uh, you and I both agree there's, there's bigger problems than just the coach, but it will be interesting to see what they do and how much they give him in the, in the, in the season ahead. Arsenal, I think Arsenal, what Oteta's done there, I can see clearly a plan. I see a lot of youth. My question still remains... How do they bridge that gap um, next season? I'm, I'm intrigued by the off-season. Um, I think the position you were in to screw it up. I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a perspective of this is a young team. There was a lot of pressure going into those last few games. And in reality, they actually showed their naivety um, at the same time. So I can't be harsh on Arsenal. They're probably on par with maybe where I thought they might finish. So I would say I'd give them a, a, a par for the course, which I agree is probably a seven. Spurs, I I probably actually agree with Wade in that sense. I know they started poorly, but they've got, I've always believed Spurs had the squad to do something. When you've got players like Son and Harry Kane in there, you've got enough quality to get you over the line and fighting in that fourth or fifth spot. So I'll probably give them a seven as well, in par with Arsenal. Yeah, but bro, none of you had Spurs finishing fourth or fifth. Where did I have? Yeah, them? I had Arsenal finishing ninth. Apparently, I, I still need to go back and listen to that. Which is Nuno was a bum. Um, yeah, I think I think that was the issue though. Was that I think the circumstances changed once Conte, Conte came, came in. in. If Conte yeah. had been there from the start, there's no way I would have had there. I thought the guy was a bum manager, hundred percent. So, but I don't believe the squad was incapable of reaching that position. I think yeah. they selected the wrong manager. So, with the Conte factor, hundred percent, I think they've gotten where they are. Um, and you know, Wade called it all season. As long as Conte is there, I'm nervous. And there you go. As much as Arsenal bottled it, Spurs also went on a decent run. So, I'd give them a seven. Chelsea's an interesting one. I thought maybe a little bit harsh on them, Rads. I mean, they did make two cup finals that went to penalty shootouts. That's literally a toss of the coin. And both those games you know, could have gone either way in my eyes, both of them. So I think Liverpool could have won both and Chelsea could have won both in normal time. Such were the chances in both games. So I'd probably say the only downside for Chelsea was they were expected to be a bit more of a push in the title and really they were nowhere near competing for the title. And coming off the back of European champions, um, it was probably a bit of a, a downgrade for them. So I'd probably have them on a six, um, which is similar to Wade. You know, I might be slightly biased, but from a Liverpool perspective, I give the season. To be honest, it'll depend on this week's result. If we win the Champions League, to me, the season's a 10. And the only reason it is, is because we were never, up until January, we weren't in the title race. So having gotten so close was more the fact of the brilliance of the run we put forward. Had we actually won or four, I think I would have given the season a 20. Never mind a 10, because winning a quadruple is unheard of and unprecedented. Um, so for me as a fan sitting here, the season has been near perfect and flawless, especially from the second half of that season. Manchester City, 
I'd probably disagree with Wade and I'd probably disagree with Rods because given the amount of money that club has and the expectation on them, they really failed in the in the in the FA Cup. Of course, they did lose to Liverpool, which is fair enough. The the League Cup, which they've made their own for years on end, they were absolutely hopeless there. Um, and in the Champions League, you know, you can say they bottled it in the in the semi final against Real Madrid to come out with the Premier League, which they're expected to win. I don't know, guys. That's par for course for me. So I think Manchester City overall, from a season perspective, I wouldn't give more than a seven in my eyes. I would expect a club like that to be with the resources that they have and the players that they have to be right up there. In fact, I would expect them to have the season Liverpool had ahead of Liverpool having that season, such as the depth within that team that they actually have. So for me, it's seven for Manchester City. Um, touching on the bottom of the table, are we are we happy Burnley are gone? Is anyone losing sleep over that fact? No, look, I'll tell you one thing. I said to you all, Leeds are playing good football, and they're the ones I call it. You all both said, no, Leeds are going down. So um, I'm happy for Jesse Marsh and his team, even though there's a rivalry there with United. But uh, I did, I don't know if there, there was a sound bite of him talking to the players. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was at half time, it was like, you know, they're singing my name, but who cares about the singing my name? And it's all about you boys, and we're going to make sure we're going to finish this game without getting delegated. But like, it was very. Really, inspirational me thinking, yeah, smart to play for this manager. So good on Leeds, you know, Burnley. I don't think anyone's going to miss Burnley. Wade, I know you've got a, a, a an affectionate spot there for Burnley and the, the body of work that they've carried out over the years in the Premier League with that uh, forward-thinking football that they play. Are you uh, are you sad to see the, uh, the Clarets go? Yeah, well, one of the first fixtures I used to look out for was when are we going to turf more? So, um, <laughs> I know you nah, always, look. I know you always spoke about that amazing rivalry between Arsenal and Stoke. So <laughs> I, I just assumed the Burnley one was the same. Yeah. A cold Tuesday <laughs> night at turf more. Um, nah, look, uh, my short guy is a manager. Now I think he was like a straight shooter. He'll come out. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll take the piss out of. Reporters, or you know, um, even managers were, and managers. I think he went toe to toe with um, you and Klopp when they went together, it was hilarious. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, I'll break this all. What was that? Was that like, like, he's, he's sure, Dice is one of those mad owls you don't go near. Yeah, <laughs> I think, um, because he's looking at one of those owls, it's just like a Malcolm. You know, you're just, <laughs> yeah, anyway. I think, and I think, I think, finally. There's no affection for, for him. Yeah. And I think Burnley, um, the, the team he built at Burnley were very much in his image, you know. Hard mm. nose, hard to break down, um, stubborn. You know, they knew what they were. It was never going to be easy um, going to Turf Moor and, um, and winning there. So, But look, now nah, I won't miss them. I mean, the football was obviously quite dull. I thought they'd be in trouble when Sean Dyche left. To be fair, Mike Jackson did an excellent job because at one stage they, they were in really, really good form um, when he took over. So, you know, to take it down to the last day and miss out, their fans will feel hard done by, hard done by but I'd much rather see Leeds playing um, in the Premier League, that's for sure. You know, when you go to Leeds, it's going to be an open game. It's going to be free-flowing. Um, and, yeah, and let's not kid ourselves. Leeds are, Leeds are a huge club. 
Exactly. Massive, yeah. massive history. The big it fixture. would have been sad after all the years that they were out the Premier League for them to go back down after a season. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah the, the right team has stayed up. I mean, Rads, I know we said Leeds, but we were, I was more fearful of them going down, but I didn't want them to go down. I genuinely wanted Burnley to go down. Mm. I so, just, yeah, it was hard to see where they were turning the corners with some of the results that they had. But on the last day, strange things happened and they got the result against Brentford. And Burnley lost anyway, so it was all irrelevant in the end. Um, so there you have it. I guess um, in terms of, you know, where I would like to call out, I guess the, the there was a shared golden boot. I think, you know, Salah, Salah was up there basically the entire season. And I think he was at one stage, he was sitting on 22 goals for about eight weeks. Um, and Son came out of nowhere. So I, I want to give a shout out. Salah, congratulations, but a shout-out to Son. What an amazing turnaround it's been for him this season. And to be the first Asian player to also be recognized in that golden boot category is a massive thing for his um, his people and where he comes from. And I, I actually love him. I just think he's a, he's a great person, like all-round individual. He plays the game with such passion too. When you look at him on the field, it's like every inch of him is part of that Spurs team. And I think he's bought into what Spurs are actually about. So he's an absolute quality player. And also to finish on 23 goals ahead of Harry Kane is quite an achievement. I mean, yeah, some very, very sweet things to say about Son. Um, uh, I have to admit that. Uh, yeah, very nice. Now, look, it's... Um, <laughs> Connell's right. So now he is. He's quality. He's quality. Um, you can't deny that. I mean, he's... There's a few things there, a few dodgy moments with Son. Yeah, yeah. The Arsenal fans diving, you know, they're not fond of him. That's true. That's true. But listen, it's a derby. You know, you got to do what you got to do to get one up on your opponents, you know, and he knows... If he can get under our skin, someone's going to lose their head. And that's exactly what happened when um, when we played Spurs. So I can't hate on guys for doing that. We've got to be smarter. That's the way I look at it. So I know the fans will, will not like him, but he's so dangerous. You know, 23 goals, no penalties um, in that either. I don't even think he takes three kicks, does he? So all pretty much goals from open play. Um, yeah. Incredible season, man. And he's so, so, so dangerous on... Um, arguably the best, what's he left winger in the league? Um, he's he's phenomenal. So I, I I have to agree with with that assessment of him. To be honest, um, any complaints about the player here? That was a that was a bit of a cause of discussion. I mean, I rate Kevin De Bruyne highly, you know. So I don't I don't personally have an issue with that. I know Salah for a long time we were all saying is probably the best play, one of the best players in the world, if not. But he had a bit of a dip in form. But De Bruyne, wasn't he injured for a, a large part of the season as well, early on? He, he was. Uh, Connell's talking on mute. But I, look, I, I'm, I'm like you. I always do think KDB is... I, I thought KDB has been the best player in the league in terms of his quality alone without... I the numbers and stuff. Yeah. So I just think he is the best player without having the best season yet. I think Salah's been having the best seasons. I think Salah just... After the African Cup of Nations went off the boil, and I think yeah. it's that when you come into award season, you know it's it's like front of well, front of mind. It's a, well, I was going to say, can you hear me now? It's, yeah. This yeah. is a this is a classic case of recency syndrome because everyone Kevin De Bruyne in the second half of the season has been exceptional, 
But you're right. In the first half of the season, he had COVID. He missed a few games. He was mm. injured. He missed more games. But nobody remembers that. And that was the time when Salah looked like, you know, he was taking on Messi and Ronaldo for the throne. So yeah. I think it's a, I do think, I, I rate KDB as one of the best players, not only in the Premier League, but in the world. I just feel this is a, this is a genuine case of recency. No, well, listen, I don't, well, I could, don't, I don't actually feel he's been this great over the course of the season. But you could so, make this argument, O'Connell, when it mattered and it counted now at the end of the season, he was a real driving force in that City team because that's literally what he is. When he gets yeah. the ball, he drives that team forward. Through. It's like yeah. you just feel like something's going to happen when he's running at defenders. So you could you could but make the is, case that he, when it mattered, he came good and Salah yeah. kind of faded away towards the end of the season. So there's, you can look at it both ways. You know what I mean? It's funny, though, because I also looked at one of the nominations and I saw Harry Kane in there. I think that's a travesty to the award. But there that's again, ridiculous. Wade, that is He's again, but, that just, yeah. but, but, yeah. but this, but this also proves, this also proves that the old, the old played a second half of the season and scored a lot of goals. But what? We're just going to negla- nah, ne- uh, negate the fact to... that the man, the man yeah. didn't turn up for the first six months. But you're going to put him no, in the award. That's a ridiculous call. That's a ridiculous call. You know, to... calls it Harry Kane, and he's you know he's yeah. in a Premier League team of the season. How can you be in a team of the season <laughs> and you haven't got? He's the only striker in the team, right? And there's always got more goals than you. Nah, come on, yeah. come on. I just want to say the award is Player of the Season, not Player of the last six months of the first six months of five of the season. And I think that's where this sometimes gets blighted by a different thing. Having said that, KDB is well worth his weight in goal and you cannot take it away from him irrespective because even though he had a pretty poor, maybe first start by his standards of the season, he's an absolutely exceptional player. So kudos to him for winning that award. Um, I guess shifting gears, I wanted to actually ask you guys before we moved on, there was a world-changing moment, I don't know, that took place yet again. And I'm going to move outside of the Premier League for a second. But guys, what is this this Mbappe deal? I know you had a bit to say about it, Rods. You haven't really said anything about it, Wade. I don't think we've spoken about it. But have you actually seen the, the, the permutations of his deal, Wade? Uh, I've read a little bit about it. I haven't actually looked into it. So you're just talking about his, the power he has now, pretty much like a board member to make decisions about hiring and firing and all that sort of jazz? Yeah, so for the listeners, if you haven't heard, you know, Mbappe was in the final year of his contract. He had already basically said he was leaving um, and had a bit of a standoff during the period of time. The, the time came now to renegotiate. He's decided to stay. He got a $300 million sign-on fee. He's getting wages north of a million dollars a week. Um, he has apparently the rights to select the coach and also decide on transfers. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in all my life. And um, is this, I guess my question is this, the Kylian Mbappe thing is one thing, right? I, I look at it from this perspective. He chose a non-historical club, and I, I say this from the context of if you think of the big clubs in the world, when Real Madrid come knocking, generally a player never says no. And I can't name one player that said no to Real Madrid, or Barcelona for that matter. Yet, this is a moment in time when a player took, and we talk about money, but his, they chose a club that does not have the pedigree of Real Madrid and decided to stay there based 
let's not let's call it for what it is. He's staying there for the money, right? Is this is this a moment in time where things are? It's all about the old and the new. The new money of Manchester City's probably soon to be Newcastle and now PSG taking on the historical uh, historical clubs of you know Manchester United, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Barcelona, Arsenal. Are we seeing a shift in the guard here? Look, I guess time will tell. Yeah, we can't, it's, we can't answer that question right now. But one thing I will say, and I was, I was having a, a bit of a debate with um, with some of my other friends who follow American sports, and they were sort of saying how the basketball players have this sort of power in the NBA to make these decisions, and they're involved in these board-level decisions as well because of their star power. One thing I will say is PSG have always kind of done things their own way. You know, so whether this is going to now set the standard for everyone else, I personally highly doubt it. Because when I think of Real Madrid, when I think of United, when I think of Liverpool, the club is the star. You know what I mean? Like the club is the brand. Like you said, when those clubs come knocking, players want to go there. Bigger stars than Mbappe have come and go from those clubs over the years. There's too much tradition for any of those clubs, in my opinion, to now turn around and say, Basically, yeah, you you lead the way. You know what I mean? And not just the clubs, but I think, can you imagine a manager like Conte or Pep or Klopp, you know, <laughs> kind of playing second fiddle to a player? It's just not going to happen, in my opinion, you know? So is this going to hurt PSG in the future, attracting coaches who come there? Because now you, you're not just dealing with the board, which becomes a headache over time for managers. You're also now dealing with the player who's got all this power. So this could backfire for them. I personally, I don't think this is going to be the benchmark now for other clubs because for me, those clubs are too big. They, they're too historical and, and the club is the star. And this, this is the argument I was having with a couple of friends of mine who were sort of comparing it to the NBA. It's different. The it's NBA totally has always different. been a star-driven league. It's driven yeah. by the stars. Those guys are massive celebrities. The club's are the stars at these big European teams. So I don't think it's going to change how things are done in the future. Raz, I want to change the angle of the same conversation and say, but do you not see the issue of this leading to hell? You know, players are going to be playing on there and kind of going, well, am I impressing the coach or do I have to press Kylian Mbappe while I'm at it? If I say something bad to this old, is he not going to like me and he's going to put me on the transfer list? Like, surely there's so many dynamics that are going to outplay it. And not only that, but what about the actual coach? Surely his, yeah. his um, stature comes into question. So, so I think there's a lot of things that have been reported that are not quite true. Um, so I don't know if you've tapped into his press conference that he's done. I think he did it overnight in terms of the, the ramifications of his deal. One of the things he said is, is that it's not true that he has any impact in terms of who the manager is and who the sporting director is going forward, right? I think that's important in terms of going forward because I think I think it is true because what the impact was was not on who will be the manager and the director going forward, but who the manager and director Next. are now. Mm. So I think he's already made that because it is no, it's no coincidence that Leonardo gets sacked within hours of the Mbappe deal Um Get, get it done. So there there is some inconsistencies with some of the, the, the deals and the numbers. I think one of the things that, you know, has sort of been well sourced is um, his, his wage is probably closer to 40 million um, and not the 100 million that's been reported. 
Um, like I said, the impact is not quite what, what, it, what it's meant to be. He said himself, look, my job now is just to be a player and that's all I'm going to be. Um, but what is probably really close and a lot of play, people have reported, you know, a number close to it, is the $300 million signing on fee. That's that. That seems to be legit. So you know, and I've I've, I've done a, a bit of sort of fact checking and source checking. So um, that that that's one that that is mouthwatering. And I think the the thing for Mbappe, it's twenty three years old. You know, three years time is twenty six. He can still move to Real Madrid, um, and he can still get another signing on fee when he goes there. So um, and I and look, you probably expect like a world record fee then. So I think. Um, you know, the one thing is, I know there was talk to say his, his mother's a Liverpool fan, right? I don't know if you heard this, Connell. Yeah, I so saw his that. Mother, his mother's a Liverpool fan and a mad Liverpool fan. So out of courtesy to his mother, his, his, his mother said to him, hey, go and talk to Liverpool as well. And I think he's gone and he spoke to Liverpool. I and mean, the numbers that were being discussed was there. Liverpool just said, oh, hold on, hold on. No chance. Yeah. No chance. No chance. Yeah, it was so, never going to happen, uh, that yeah. deal with Liverpool, yeah. but... These teams live in their fantasy world. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's more scrutiny on Man City than there is on PSG, which means they get away with a lot more. You know, the the main complaints from PSG are coming from other leagues, like, you know, La Liga issuing a statement complaining to say, how is this even possible? You know, I think um, within France well, itself... how is it possible? How on earth can you have Lionel Messi have this deal, have Neymar there... On crazy, where where is FFP or UEFA? Something doesn't smell right here, as far as I'm concerned. Something is not right. You cannot have these deals going through without breaches be happening. Yeah, look, there's, there's probably breaches, but I'm saying within France, you know, I think they love that they've got this massive team there. And you know, there's putting the French league in on the map. I think the, you know, there's there's really there's no old money versus new money fight in, in France. So they're saying, yeah, let us go and compete in the Champions League and whatever it may be. Whereas for, you know, the Premier League, Man City doing this type of thing, giving 300 million, you know, all our break loose because, you know, not Liverpool, United, Arsenal, all these teams, they won't rest. They'll, you know, they'll be, they'll be knocking on the door of the Premier League in the FA to say, what, what the hell is going on here? So, let them live in the old bubble. Let them break whatever rules they are. You know, they, they will eventually win the Champions League. Unfortunately, I think that's that's probably something that's inevitable with the size of investment. But, yeah, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Let them, you know, bury themselves. I think, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I, I laugh at clubs like PSG and, and City to an extent and Newcastle will join that bandwagon soon um, in the sense of how desperate they are. I remember Chelsea being so desperate for that European title at one stage because that's really what, sorry, Wade, but when you win that European Cup and Champions League, it puts you in a different stratosphere of clubs. Um, And when you get there, that is what those clubs are searching for, is that, which is why I agree with Rads. Unfortunately, because of the endless pits of money these uh, clubs have and they're backed by state-owned enterprises, they will eventually get there. It may be three years from now, it may be 10 years from now, but they will win the Champions League. And unfortunately, we will see them lift that trophy because they'll just keep throwing money at it until they do, um, which is sad to see, but it's the reality of where we are in, 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 in football as a, as a global entity. Um, but really interesting conversation, gents. I guess it will pave the way for 
who knows what's going to happen in the off season. It's an exciting time to see, and we'll uh, we'll wait till that time comes. But of course, it wouldn't be a powered podcast. by Riverside FM. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate that. It is always powered by Riverside FM. It is the trivia man for the last time this year. He's got the glasses on. He looks serious. Wade, it's the moment of truth, baby. Well, I think you've already won it, haven't you? So it's, uh, this is almost feels like a friendly, this last round. <laughs> it's this, uh... but, and I think there's, there's a few things I'd like to see um, in terms of season awards, in terms of player stats, etc. Who may be able to guess. So I'm not going to go into goals and assists. I think we both, we both, we all clearly know who who's top of the ladder with the with the goals. Um, maybe maybe people don't know the exact numbers. We should test the knowledge there. Oh, not just tested. So how many goals won the Golden Boot this year, Jets? Twenty-three. <laughs> and 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 in third spot. So who finished just below behind them? Ronaldo with eighteen. Oh, and how many did Harry Kane end up with? Seventeen. Impressive, impressive. Um, <laughs> Which player played the most minutes in the league? It's a tie here. Bukayo Saka? No. Virgil van Dijk? No. It's a tie, you said? Yep. Allison? No, if it's on the right track, Edison? there's two goalkeepers. Edison. It is not Edison. Who did you say? Um, Jose Sa. No. Must be Dahia. As Dahia and Hugo Lloris have both played every minute of the Premier League. Wow. Um, which player took the most shots? Mohamed Salah. That is Mohamed Salah. Um, do we know which player finished in second with the second most shots? Uh, son. No. no, it wouldn't be son. Second son. most shots. It's not. Ro- it's not Ronnie. No, second uh, son is tenth on the list. Tenth. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be taking a lot of shots. I'd be expecting someone like. Mm. Let me just think. Wouldn't be someone from City. Mane. There's Chelsea. No, there's another Liverpool I don't Liverpool think it's player? another Liverpool player. It's not Liverpool. He's taken six no. fewer shots than Salah. Only six? Only six. Okay, is this a top six club? Top six club. So it is a top six. Maybe Fernandes. it is someone from Man City. It is not Fernandez. Uh, I'll just be oh. absolutely guessing. I'll say... No, I can't even. I, I, no yeah, one I'm thinking of. I'll be, I'll be guessing too. Um, yeah. Golden boy, Harry Kane. God, was really? I thought he was so shit in the first half of the season. He wasn't even shooting. Yeah, I don't think I'll, they create I'll, that I'll, many chances. I'll, I'll <laughs> I don't think that either. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go one more. Um, oh, a couple more. Which player was offside the most this year? With what? Offside the most. Offside. Mm-hmm. Not Rashford. Oh, 
Rashford barely played. Offside. Kane. Offside. Not Kane. Okay, so just is it a top off team or bottom off team to narrow top it? Team. Top off, okay, just to narrow it. It's definitely Ronaldo. not for Manchester City because they just played. Ah, Ronnie. Um, yeah, that's a good one, actually. And and there were a lot of ones that were just very slight. Close. Very close. I remember, yeah. So, I remember um, a couple of really tight ones, yeah. Yeah. And the Probably last something one, he has uh, to work on in the off-season to improve his game. <laughs> uh, which which two teams? Which uh, sorry, which two players hit the woodwork the most this year? Bumo from Brentford. All right, you've got him. I definitely remember him. I reckon one game he hit the post four times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's got seven. So good. yeah, he's got something like seven. Which other player is tied on that? Kai Havertz. No. Nope. Samoana. Bottom half team. Bottom half team. Uh, Rafinha. It is Rafinha. Oh, nice one. Nice one. Yeah. All right. But I do have 10 quick hits for you guys. The season stats. Um, Fastest one to call out the answer. You know, we know the rules. First one, which team lost... Six consecutive away games for the first time since 1990. Manchester United. Uh, that one got so weighty. Aye, You've been yeah. slow with it. You dragged out the Manchester United. That, yeah, but I said it. No, I yeah, said United. Exactly. Like, in yeah. there. <laughs> I'll be going back and checking that point. Which team scored the most winning goals in the 90th minute? Liverpool. Nope. Manchester City. Nope. Chelsea, not not nope. Man United. Nope. Spurs, <laughs> not Spurs either. Arsenal, no, it's not Arsenal. Not Arsenal. So it's not the top uh, in it's the ninetieth. I them. It is a bottom half team. Wow, Brentford. Not Brentford. Oh, uh, Leeds. Uh, it is Leeds United. Yeah. <laughs> Leeds United. Um, wow. Who became? The second team to ever score three goals from a corner situation in the same game. Leicester. No. In no. the same game. In the same game. Arsenal. Three goals. Arsenal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. On the weekend, yeah. Yeah. Who continued a goal in their last ten consecutive games, being their longest run without a clean sheet in the division? Arsenal. Arsenal. Damn on. Mm-hmm. Who found themselves behind in back-to-back league games for the first time since 2008? Man City. That one was Connell. By Damn a mile. Wow. Um, <laughs> who, who became the first hammer to score more oh, than when... 10 goals in no, three games? It is not uh, top five seasons. It is not Bowen. Antonio. Antonio. Oh, wait, he got that one. That was me. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, no, that was clearly me. There was, like a, there was like a second and a half between that one. Nah, yeah, no, that was, P- your, laws are, your laws are against me. I'm sick of this podcast. It's that yeah, lag. Who was the only team in Premier League history, not just this season, in the history of the Premier League, to 
to go through the entire season without being behind at halftime. Manchester City? No, not Liverpool? No, not Liverpool. Without being behind at Chelsea? It is Chelsea. They were not behind once this year. That's interesting. That's really interesting when you consider the amount of losses they have. Mm. Which current player has scored the joint most final day goals with nine? Claudio Mane. It is Kane. Who became the second youngest player in the competition to feature in every match this season? It is Saka. Wade is all over it. And to finish it off, I've got a really difficult one. And Wade has pretty much taken out this one. One, two, three, four, five. He's He's let me have it. He's let me have it on the final day. But there's a really, there's a tough one. And I think if, if Connor, if you get this one, I think you'd be a worthy champion. Worthy champ? I'm worthy either way. Thank you. Who took the most shots without scoring a goal? What what do you mean? Which player took the most? He never shots scored a single goal. With scoring a goal. Party yeah. <laughs> uh, has scored. Um, I'll give a few clues. Holy Bob. crap! Wow, I'd imagine Bob. a um, bottom of bottom of the bottom half team. He said, "Yeah, um, yeah." A relegation team. A relegation team. I was going to say someone like. Um, did Barnes score any goals? Yeah, he did. did. Uh, McNeil? No, McNeil. This is Dwight McNeil. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, do you know what? He actually got a few goals last year. He got none this year. Jeez. Wow, he none. didn't score any goals this year. Jeez. And what just to be clear, it's, isn't it Dwight O'Neill? He said Dwight no, McNeil. It's McNeil. It's McNeil. Ah. Yeah, don't try yeah. and get me on a technical. Just check my players, Just boy. check it. Yeah. It was an epic run. Thanks, guys. It's been emotional. I want to thank my mom and dad for bringing me this far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys. Well, that has been an epic season of What the Football podcast. We're at the end of the show, lads. It's uh, Champions League final on the horizon. I guess I'm going to have to ask the two of you for your predictions for the game. Uh, Wade, maybe we'll start with you. Epic battle, uh, a revenge match, as some are calling it, a rematch of three years ago. Um, what are your thoughts on the final and who's going to come out on top? You know, I just had a feeling Madrid would get up against City. Um, and they probably got lucky in the end. The game should have been dead and buried. But I don't know. I just have a feeling Madrid are going to get up for the final. I don't know why. Um, but okay, we're going to end the podcast, this, yeah. I have a <laughs> sneaky feeling they might get over the line. But Look, obviously Liverpool will be heavy favourites going into it, so I'm not going to be surprised if they if they win it. Um, but if but I, you're tipping Madrid, I'm tipping Madrid. Yeah, I don't know. Something wow. is just telling me Madrid, so I'm going to say Madrid. Rad, sorry, what are your thoughts? I'm going to throw up, but anyway, I saw that um, Thiago is out. Oh, it's not confirmed <laughs> yet. For being here, I think they're training today and he's not training. So I think that that's a good indication that he's probably not going to be 
fit in time. Um, Fabinho is training though, and you and Van Dijk is back and Salah's back. I think Liverpool are the better team. I think Liverpool should win. So I'm tipping Liverpool to win the Champions League final. You tipping Liverpool? Yeah. So one apiece, yeah. Unfortunately, who are you tipping? It is. It, it is <laughs> <laughs> not Man United. That's who. Um, it is. Uh, it is. It is. It is a tough one that Thiago is injured. He's been. He's been right up there to be player of the season this year. The way he's orchestrated the midfield, um, he'll be a massive loss for us. I just pray that it looks like Fabinho's back. I think having him and Hendo in the middle of the field would be key. Would probably cater because outside of that. James Milner's role is clear in our team. It's uh, He's a closer. He comes on in the last 15, 20 minutes. So, you know, if you took Fabinho out and you took Thiago out and you only had Henderson and Cater, and then you're probably using Milner with backups of Jones and in a Champions League final, I'd, I'd be very, very, very concerned. Um, but I think, um, it, it, as you said, Wade, it's through. It's a final. I don't know what's going to happen on the day. I thought we'll beat Madrid three years ago and then Salah got manhandled by Ramos and everything changed after that and carry us through the ball in the net twice. So who knows what can happen in a final? I don't know. It'll be epic. I pray we win to make that an exceptional season, but we will wait and see. But I guess that has brought us to an end of another What the Football podcast. It has been an epic season. This is our 30th episode and we thank you all our listeners for listening to us every week. I actually forgot we did get a message from one of our biggest fan guys, and uh, it would be remiss of me not to actually read it out because it was quite a heartfelt message. He said, and this was the uh, after last week's podcast, just listen to the latest podcast and all the predictions. After last night, they are a bit up and down, again, especially in the relegation zone. Anyway, if you are on tonight, thanks to all three of you for your input through the year. And tell Wade that they only have themselves to blame for not being in the top four. Maybe some cons- maybe some consolation that they didn't finish in his initial prediction of eighth or ninth. <laughs> As for Man United, no comments. There's nothing to say about them. <laughs> However, <laughs> tell Riyadh he can take some consolation in being a Man United supporter with some great trivia knowledge. Look forward. <laughs> <laughs> look forward to next season good hosting and finally as always you'll never walk alone so that's obviously from uh, Butch as his known champion thank you for listening thank you to all our listeners for listening all the way in South Africa New Zealand Australia it's been an absolute pleasure bringing you the What the Football podcast don't forget you can catch all our episodes on Podbean and Apple Podcasts and of course you can catch us on all our socials on Twitter Facebook and what am I forgetting? Instagram at what the football pod. Until next season, enjoy the Champions League final, enjoy the off season, and see you all again in August when we do it all over again. Until then, enjoy your time. Mm-hmm.